Shalom, this is Shomer Man with your Parsha Get You Some for Parsha Shalak and kind of a recap of Beha Alotka because you know how I am about not really uh, leaving the previous Parsha. So, without further ado, let's go crazy. Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bakarbanu Mikol Hamin, Venatan Lanu et Torato, Baruch Atah Adonai, Noten HaTorah, Amen. Amen. So, everybody suit up and uh, put your face mask on. Uh, I'm already injured and I'm all just going to share the trauma that has been happening to me and uh, this will be a little bit of Shabbat gleanings with uh, some random insights and some uh, recap obviously from last week's Torah portion and what I've learned so far from this week's Torah portion so uh, here we go it's crazy so first thing I want to start out with is the Orchard of Delights I had the wonderful opportunity to talk with my youth gentlemen about making the most of who we are as human beings and all of our uh, everything that happens with us you know with our bodies with our minds with our hearts our desires and things like that and uh, it was just so interesting that uh, in parasha metzora going all the way back there that uh, Trugman really does a great job of really getting into the intricacies of how Hashem has really wired us as human beings, how we have our drives and our desires and things like that, and how, you know, we enter into Torah observance because some of us didn't really grow up uh, Torah observant. And for those of us who did, you know, was all Tov, Baruch Hashem. But for those of you just getting here, welcome, we've been expecting you. But, you know, it's interesting to transition out of a previous lifestyle and that you were completely comfortable and fine in, so you thought. And seriously, you know, because it's like, what were we really doing before Torah observance? Because this is the life and the life abundantly that Mashiach talks about. Because the lifestyle you have before you enter into Torah observance is one of killing, stealing, and destroying. And uh, I love how my youth gentlemen, they came up with the term silent assassins based off of the drosh that was given by the incredible human Lapid. Uh, that was epic. So uh, that's Zeke and Yochanan, by the way, who I had the opportunity to do the Basora Get You Some with last week. And uh, he just kept going for the drosh on Shabbat, which was incredible. And so that really impacted a, a lot of people, and especially my youth, and I was just like really excited about that because silent assassins is what we, what we don't even pay attention to, these very subtle, intricate, deep things that seem so insignificant, but really there are hundreds upon hundreds of paper cuts to our soul, and we're literally just bleeding out and we don't even know it. And we just feel these little stings that happen in our disappointments, they happen with our anger outbursts. They happen just with our depressions and things like that. And we just kind of feel, woe is me. But it's like the reason that's happening is because you have all of these paper cuts that have happened to your soul that you aren't aware of. And so really, 
It's not that you're depressed. It's not that you're angry. It's not that you're frustrated and you have a short temper. It's really that you have deep issues going on. And the beautiful, awesome thing about Torah is that it is like the balm of Gilead. It's like this super amazing ointment that you can put on and it really heals and revives your soul. You know, like it says in Tehillim 19, how the Torah is perfect reviving the soul. You know, and so even if you have all these things going on, you got to get down to those deeper parts that you can't even see, those deeper um, injuries and wounds that you have that you, you aren't even aware of. You know, it's like um, I was talking to Stav Soldat, and he was saying, you know, if you take a sword to someone's uh, inner thigh, you know, it's like you bleed out quickest there, and it's like a merciful death, and Okay, that escalated quickly, yes, but I illustrate that to say that there are things that can cause our spiritual and physical deaths that we are not aware of, that are huge, incredible wounds, and sometimes we aren't even aware of it, and we just bleed out. So, that's a very interesting introduction to Parsha Shalak. But Parsha Shalak features that very thing that I'm talking about. So it's interesting, it goes all the way back to Parsha Medzora. But anyway, the Torah is the water that seeks the lowest parts. That's literally the, why the Torah is called water. Because if you pour water in something, if there is a hole anywhere, the water will get down into it. You know, and so if you think about all the aspects of our being that we can't pay attention to, if we allow the Torah to do its work in our hearts and our lives, a.k.a. if you allow Mashiach Yeshua, the spirit of Hashem, Hashem himself to work within you, he can get down to those areas and take care and heal and rejuvenate you, you know. And so all that to say, as we transition from our previous lifestyle into Torah observance, there's things on the surface that we're just like, what in the world? I can't believe I can't do this anymore. I can't believe I can't go without. I just, I don't understand. Or man, this seems so, ah, uh, like why? And is this really, you know, what Hashem wants for my life? And why do I got to feel like I'm missing out? And it's just like, all of that is a uh, response that your your soul and your body is having to the adjustments that it is now making you know whether it's walking into holiness or walking into evil and impurity you're going to have the same progression you know so it's just kind of like as as holy as you can be is as evil as you can be you know the concept is as you are growing and maturing in your faith with Hashem so does your Yetzirah. It grows. It matures, you know. And so as if we needed that to mature, right, because, you know, the Yetzirah is how, more, how much more advanced in years than we are because, you know, we're born and we're catching up with what the Yetzirah has already perfected, like, a long time ago, you know. And it's just kind of like we're behind the curve on that. But anyway, it's just like, you know, how are we supposed to deal with that? How are we supposed to combat that? You know, and this is why. In Shemot 24, verse 7. Yes, the double noons. Not say the nishma. We will do and we will hear. This is why Hashem literally says, Who revealed to them my secret? 
because here it is the secret to serving Hashem is to go outside of yourself to be beyond understanding to be beyond rationality to be supra rational when you get to that point that's where the awesomeness is you know i talked a lot in parsha bamibar about the encampment of the children of israel they're under their banners there's all these rivers flowing there's the clouds there's all this light reflecting there's no darkness and all this kind of stuff is going on and they're moving through the wilderness and it's a desert wasteland people have no no starving they're not thirsty they're not hot they're not sweating you know i mean life is like miraculous but with every trial that is being encountered they're like did hashem bring us out here to die it's like you have a giant rock following you around and you have springs of living water underneath your feet so at any given time you were thirsty you could have sweet refreshing cold water literally this is the honey water from the rock that's talked about in devarim and so he uh it says in the verse that uh he fed you water from the rock that was or he gave you honey gave you to drink of water from the rock that was sweet like honey you know that whole thing and so where's your thirst and then you got manna falling during the nighttime while you're sleeping so you're waking up in the morning seeing the dew on the ground and inside the dew is manna and when you get that manna out of the dew it's not even soggy like what is that you know the manna is a form of bread and it's inside of a water package and it's not even wet i mean what kind of miraculousness is that i mean if you try to sell a bag of bread like a Mike's killer bread. Imagine instead of plastic that was wrapped in water. Like th that just doesn't work. Like how in the world, right? That's like chemically and scientifically impossible. But what's impossible with man is way beyond possible with Hashem. So, I mean, you got the water, you got the bread, you got the light, you got surrounded, you're clothed. You're, I mean, you're well taken care of. And all you can think about is what you're missing out on from your old life. Which, by the way, was bondage. Which, by the way, Hashem still fed you in your bondage, you know. I go back to the drosh from Zek and Yochanan and how he was saying, you know, we remember the fish and the leeks and the onions and the vegetables, which we ate for free. And it's like, if you look at that verse... From it's like that wasn't free that was slavery and then you're focused on the good of something that was bad and now that you're truly in something good that's giving you something good you're focused on the on the previous good that was bad you're not even focused on any of the aspects where you are now and so obviously that's where we are as followers of Mashiach you know we've left homes, houses, daughters, moms, family, fields, treasures, talent, like talent opportunities, you know, because um, one of the things being a musician and like I like to do like all the entertainment and video stuff, but it's like if you try to seek out those opportunities, everything happens on Shabbat and everything happens on Yom Tov's. You know, I never really paid attention before that 
really a lot of these special events because I used to do Christian rap so it's like obviously everything happens on Saturdays and Sundays and Friday nights and it's like it can't happen any other time during the week because that's just wrong you know obviously because if it wasn't seen as something that's impossible to do then there could be something on a Monday night there could be something on a Tuesday night but it's like oh school oh work but it's like oh wait you can do it any other time but I digress with all that I just say that to say we sometimes get stuck and hung up on these things that again these are paper cuts you know because what Hashem has really given us is not to be compared to these things oh yeah I consider the present trials and struggles that we have as nothing compared to the future glory that is to come you know the Alam Haba and all the glorious things which right now we're getting a foretaste of. We haven't fully entered into that, but we get to have a little foretaste. This is why it's under it's uh it's important to understand that things happen a little bit before their time, you know, if we merit it anyway. Like the redemption can come before the set time, you know, and that's that right there is like one of the greatest, um, I think, most tremendous things that Hashem has graciously allowed for us as Jews, you know, to say that, you know, I've already set a time for the redemption. No man knows the time and the hour. Only Hashem knows, you know, that's what Mashiach said. And so it's like, but that's cool. You can have it earlier. You know, if you really are seeking after me, if you're really saying Baruch Abab Hashem Adonai, if you really are making Teshuva on top of Teshuva, if you really are cleaving and attaching yourself to me, you know, it's like, I can give you this earlier. This is Hashem talking, you know, like this, this is what the sources say. That's what's pointed out in the text. You know, Mashiach himself says, you won't see me again until you say Baruch Abab Hashem Adonai. So... You know, what's that all about? So I think it's just absolutely incredible. And I just want to encourage us in that. And this is the point that I wanted to share from the Orchard of Delights from Parashat Metzora. Now, this is in the context, obviously, of uh, family purity and the relations between a husband and wife and all that kind of stuff. But go beyond the Peshat with me for a second. Come all the way up to Sod and let's look at it from this aspect. So I'm going to speak from a Peshat level, but I want you to stay up here on Sod. Okay? Here we go. This is page 376 in the Orchard of Delights. It says, Yet when sexuality is awakened in the context of holiness, it can bring with it deep love and intimacy and true satisfaction. This type of arousal returns us to the very beginning of Parashat Tatsriya which is when a woman conceives and gives birth. Vayikra 12.1 The Torah, through the laws of family purity, attempts to channel sexual arousal and, in fact, all of humanity's primal forces in order to help human beings reach the highest levels of goodness, pleasure, intimacy with each other as well as with Hashem. Now that is the most important thing that we have to know. All that the Torah is channeling us, which 
We're seeing it as restrictions, but Hashem is calling it channels, i.e. it's called the way, it's called the path, it's called derech, okay? It's not a restriction, it's a derech, it's a path, okay? And remember, the derech is the path, and that path leads to the tree of life. But listen, when we, go, when we talk about going to the tree of life, there is a flaming sword that guards the way to the tree of life. But it is through the mitzvot, it is through Mashiach, it is through being filled with the spirit of Hashem, it is through being regenerated spiritually, moving from death into life, that we can go back to that tree and we can partake of it. Uh, Revelation, which is Hizgalut Be'ivrit, so Hizgalut 22, verse 14, we talked about this last week, that Hashem gives the access gives the authority gives the right to eat from the tree of life for those who wash their garments what are our garments our thoughts our our uh, our speech and our deeds you know those are all garments and that's what our soul is clothed in and if we wash those garments how do you wash those garments through the mitzvot the mitzvot wash our garments and in the wilderness, the clouds washed the garments of the people. So that takes the, the cloud to a whole nother level. The clouds are above, below, and on all four sides of them, as well as the cloud that is leading them. Okay, and so you have this whole process of being immersed. This is where you all know that in the wilderness, the children of Israel were immersed in the mikveh through Moshe. Because when they were walking around in the clouds, they were constantly in a mikvah. So they had a 40-year mikvah in the wilderness. That's insane. You know, we used to have this joke when I was a Christian where it was like, you know, if uh, baptizing you made you completely holy, it's like when you got baptized, it would just held you underwater and you would just been sent right into glory, you know. And so kind of removing from that crazy uh, thought going back to this being in the clouds for 40 years like when they're inside the clouds they're literally inside of a mikvah you know except they're not drowning which you know I think about how every morning for Shakarit I'm praying that Hashem will flood us and engulf us and overflow from us living water you know and it's like Yes, that happens inside of the cloud. And guess what? The cloud is a name for Mashiach. Shout out to Hasis, because that's the only way I know that. Uh, and because the cloud is a combination of water and fire. And so literally the garments that the children of Israel wore in the wilderness, the ones that didn't wear out, the ones that grew with them, the shoes that didn't wear out, the only way those garments got cleaned is while they were still wearing them and the clouds would come and rub up against them and press upon them. So they were like getting dry cleaned and laundered as well as being mikvahed all at the same time. Okay, this is a combination of like probably 12 sources at least. I mean, I have so many sources I can't even count right now, but Trust me on that. Uh, the Midrash Rabbah is probably the best way to kind of summarize it all. 
because that's initially where I found uh, all this about the cleaning in the clouds. Uh, it's from Parsha, uh, what is that? The one where it talks about your clothes didn't wear out. It's right before Netavim, Oy Vavoy, stand by. I'm gonna, I did not uh, plan to share this. Seeming to be a common theme here. It's things that I don't plan to share. Uh, I feel like it's Devarim 29. Stand by. I'm going to refrain from mumbling so I don't seem like I'm panicking. Even though I'm panicking. Alright, so it is Parsha Kitavo. Correct. Okay. Parsha Kitavo... If you go to Devarim 29, check this out. It is starting in verse 4. It may be verse 5 in some translations. I led you 40 years in the desert. Neither the clothes on your body nor the shoes on your feet wore out. You didn't eat bread and you didn't drink wine or other intoxicating liquor. This was so that you know that I am Adonai, your God. And that's a whole new meaning to being sober-minded, you know, before Hashem. Like, Hashem is not going to cause us to be gluttonous, and He's not going to cause us to be drunk. But He's going to feed us, and He's going to allow us to have refreshment and drink and things like that. Because if we weren't supposed to drink wine, why in the world is there a kiddish? Why is there a blessing for a cup of wine? Why is there a blessing for drinking beer? You know, all this kind of stuff. So, but the thing is, is it said He did not, we didn't eat bread, or drink wine because we didn't get to this um, physical satiety for forgetting Hashem. Hashem kept us balanced and stable from His provision so that we would truly know and we would have no sway, we would have no cloud, pun intended, uh, or anything to distort who Hashem really is and what His hand really gives. Some real rhyme. Who Hashem really is, what His hand really gives. What? What? Okay, anyway, sorry. I, I be having these rap outbursts lately. I don't know what's going on with me. But, cool. Alright, so anyway, that's Parshakitavo And in the Midrash Rabbah for Parshakitavo, commentary on that verse, talks about the clouds being fire and water, washing the clothes and all that kind of stuff. And then, you got the mikvah and everything like that. The rivers of living water flowing through the city. So the children of Israel, I've said this before, in the wilderness, in the clouds for 40 years is like the city and revelation, the new Yerushalayim that you see in chapter 21 and 22. So as it was before, it will be in the future. So, Berkashim, all right. So before I leave Parsha Lotka, I want to give you a few more other things that I have randomly come across. Uh, first thing is, again, shout out to Hatzira, my Kala, the Shomer version of the Wasp. She, um, in her infinite wisdom here, has uh, purchased an art scroll book on Mishle that has an anthology of commentary from the rabbinic writings. You know, for anyone who says that the rabbis are crazy and you shouldn't be listening to that rabbinic stuff, uh, what is a nice thing to tell them? Uh, how about this? Bless your heart. 
okay, and just walk away. All right, so I would say other stuff, but that would not be nice. So I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to go right over here because I was looking for Mishle 3, 5, and 6, but in Mishle 3, uh, 15, this is just, I have no idea. This is crazy right now. Okay, so here's what this verse is. It is more precious than pearls, and all your desires cannot compare with it. What is this verse talking about? It is talking about wisdom, a.k.a. Torah, a.k.a. Yeshua, a.k.a. the Mora. What? Okay, told you I'd be busting out and rapping, so guess we got to get used to that now. Okay, so um, this is definitely very fitting. I, I'm Literally, I just opened this book and it flipped to this page, so not really a fan of doing that, being like, oh, what does the Lord have for me today, and open a book and flip there. It's like, yeah, he could use that, but, you know, let's not try to use that as like a, a standard thing to do for uh, procedure. You know, you don't want to do that. You don't want that to be your standing, standard operating procedure. Okay. Anyway, if you look at this verse on the commentary, it says the sages. Okay. Chazal is the way you say that in Hebrew. Horayot 13a, interpret homiletically the word mifninim, because it uses mifninim over yachrahi mifninim vekol chafzecha lo yishuva. So that's what it uses about, you know, it's calmer, no, Sliga. It is more precious than pearls. And then uh, he, Mifnini, more precious than pearls, basically. Okay, so Mifnini is pearls. Now it says, homiletically, that word Mifnini refers to Leafni ve Leafnim, which is the innermost chamber of the Beit HaMikdash. They just really brought down the pearls. <laughs> the pearls are like the inner chamber of the Beit HaMikdash. Because, oh, wow, okay. So, here it says, Thus the merit of a Torah scholar, even if he is of illegitimate birth, i.e., if he is not born Jewish, if he's not from a pure Jewish union. A Torah scholar that is not born Jewish is even greater than that of an unlearned Kohen Gadol who enters the inner chamber on Yom Kippur. So to all the converts out there that have grabbed a hold of the Torah and you're getting turned up guess what? You're considered like precious pearls. Okay? And the merit that we have accrued, because I definitely am one of those, my mother and my father, if they are Jewish, uh, we didn't live like it. So it doesn't matter if your DNA is Jewish. It matters if what you're doing. Okay? That's what really makes you Jewish. What, what are you doing? Okay? Because that's what belief is. Okay? 
Shout out to the Amazing Chazan who brought that elucidation down about in the Torah. If you think from a Western mindset, there's not a commandment that says to believe in the Messiah. Okay? But if you think from a Jewish mindset, what is belief? Belief is what you do. I.e., in Yaakov's writings in the Brit Hadashah, he says, Faith without works is dead, but I'm going to show you my faith, my belief, by my works. And by the way, the word faith in Ivrit is amuna, And amuna means that you do something. It doesn't mean that you just believe. It's the belief based off of what you've done. Okay, so if you believe that Hashem is good then you're doing what Hashem told you to do. You're doing the things that Hashem says it is good for you to choose life. Okay, so walk in the commandments. If you believe that Hashem is good, you would walk in His commandments. Because if you didn't walk in His commandments, that by default means you do not believe that He is good, much less believe in Him. Because His commandments are agents of knowledge. That's why it's called Eshdat, fiery knowledge. The commandments of the Torah are fiery knowledge. And that's Devarim 33.2. Okay? I know that verse. That's one of my favorite ones. That's why. And so, this whole thing about Eshdat, the mixtape that I recorded, the rap that I've done recently, Shouts out to the incredible Talmud for production and co-singing with that uh, on, on there. So, Captain Israel with a few lines that he dropped on one of my songs for the writing. So, uh, it's a family affair over here. That's why we're called Avengers. But anyway, um, all that being said, it's like, I don't even know what I was, oh, the fiery knowledge. Wow, I almost lost my track of thought. So this fiery knowledge is what causes us to know Hashem. And when we truly know Hashem, we do what He says because, you know, you kind of love Him. You can't help but love Him. You're just like, well, I just love you so much. And it's just like, well, no cheeseburgers. And you're like, oh, uh, well, I don't really know if I thought that I loved you that much. I mean, I do love you, Hashem, but, I mean, cheeseburgers? I mean, really? Or uh, for me, I used to like calamari. You know, and it's just like, surely calamari have fins or scales or both or something. You know, it's just like, you know, they don't have fins. Well, surely they have scales. It's like, well, you're already off the wrong track because now you're trying to justify something, you know, that doesn't even exist. And it has to have fins and scales. So if it doesn't have fins and it only has scales, that still makes it not kosher. And it's just like, well, two out of three ain't bad. No, two out of three is bad. <laughs> it needs to be all of them. But anyway, all that to say, it's precious to Hashem. If you weren't born Jewish, if you were brought into this emunah, and you're striving for Him with all you have, like that's incredible to Hashem. So much so that even Rashi brings down from Parsha. Uh, and more or Bekukotai or Bahar. It's one of those three. Those three kind of ran together just like Beha Alotska and Shalak are apparently running together. But anyway, there's a lot, a lot of that going around. 
and the mix of that commentary of anthologies talking about proselytes, aka converts, aka get it right, aka yes words. Okay. Those type of people, Hashem associates his divine name, the Tetragrammaton, the Yod and the He, and the Vav and the He. He associates that name with proselytes. Okay? Selah. Because you're precious to Hashem. We are precious to Hashem. So much so that even the Chazal know it. They said that the merit of a Torah scholar, even if he is of illegitimate birth, is even greater than an unlearned Kohen Gadol who enters into the inner chamber, which is the Holy of Holies, on Yom Kippur. Because, by the way, that act is so significant on that day of the year, because that's the only day of the year, by the way, that Hasatan has 100% dominion over the followers of Hashem. If you do not keep Yom Kippur, if you are not making Teshuva, and you're not serious about it, the accuser got you on that day. There is just, you you absolutely lose, unless you're getting in, involved in what Hashem has called us to do that day. So, you think about the uh, impact of that circumstance and that condition because this is a day where you're afflicting your soul because you're fasting. This is a day where you're not even bathing, you're not even, uh, you know, cleaning yourself or washing up and putting on makeup. You have all the time in the world, no excuses in the world. You're like sleeping and praying and reconciling and, uh, just you're in this whole day like complete like so you think about how much Hashem really covers you Hashem truly loves us you know like again everything that he's called us to do are not restraints they are agents of knowledge teaching us about who Hashem really is they're safeguards they're protections and they're making us to truly hit the climaxes and the summits and the peaks of who we can be as people. Hashem created man in the lowest of the world, in the lowest of the realms, okay? All the way from the highest of highs beyond the heavens, all the way down to where we exist in this world being a combination of spirit and physical. <clears throat> this is what Hashem wants, and He gave us His Torah so that we can, like, truly complete his reign and his rule from the highest to the lowest you know and I mean that's like humbling and so if we don't really get that then we have heart issues that we truly need to get serious help for immediately you know so anyway going on to my next random comment because it's over here in Mishlei same verse it says and all your desires cannot compare to it. Okay? All your desires cannot compare to wisdom. That struck me real hard. But here's what strikes even crazier. Is Rashi's commentary. What's wrong with that man? He says, anything you desire is not equal to the value of Chokmah, which is Torah, which is Yeshua. Is this why Shaul says, I count all things as rubbish 
for the excellencies of knowing Mashiach, which would be knowing Torah. Because you realize everything, you know what, I'm just going to go there. I'm, just, I'm really just going to go there. Um, yeah, you realize everything he was talking about earlier in that chapter um, is, is not like the truest aspect of what Torah is. Count it all the lost. Alright. Going to Philippians. I'm gonna pretend like we know what he's talking about. Because he was writing to the people of Philippi. And Philippi uh has more to do more to do than what we even could know. Because okay. Were you from Philippi? Do you even know? What kind of people those are? Do you even know the circumstances or what they talked about? You know, Shaul didn't just write to this random city. He visited it first and taught some Torah and said, hey, you know, get converted. And then they started converting and then started learning the Torah every Shabbat, like it says in Acts. You know, for Moshe is taught in the synagogues every Shabbat. I don't see any church in that. I don't see any Christianity in that. I see complete Judaism in that. So that's what we do at Sar Shalom. So if you didn't know that existed, what exists in the Bible, it, it's there. So we welcome you and invite you to come to Sar Shalom. Get connected to Lapid. All right. So anyway, this chapter in Philipp Philippians is chapter three. And the title literally says righteousness through faith in Mashiach. Okay. So your righteousness is going to come through what you do in Mashiach. Your righteousness is going to come through what you do, being attached to Hashem and fulfilling his mitzvot. That's your righteousness. Because if you do mitzvot without being connected to Hashem, without believing in Hashem, you're wasting your time. Okay? That's what Galatians is all about, is doing mitzvot without anything else. You're just like, I'm supposed to keep Shabbat, so I'm going to keep Shabbat. And it's just like, okay, so what are you doing in Shabbat? Are you truly praising Hashem? Have you truly gotten beyond yourself and your selfish desires? No. Do you even believe in Messiah? Do you even know Messiah? Do you even know Hashem? Do you even want to know Hashem? Are you even trying? Okay, just, just stop. Just quit doing that, you know, because Shabbat divorced from Hashem is no Shabbat at all. Okay, so anyway, that's a swerve for Galatians. So if anyone comes at you with like, oh, so you, you follow Torah now. Thought you just believed in Yeshua. And it's just like, yeah, I do. I still believe in Yeshua because, you know, Yeshua is Jewish. And, you know, he kept the festivals. And, you know, following him means doing what he did. And it's just like, okay, so can you answer this question for me? And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. What's your question? It's like, so in Galatians and in Ephesians and in Philippians and in Corinthians, and in all these other letters that Shaul wrote, we're not going to talk about Kepha. We're not going to talk about Yaakov because if we talk about any of those guys, then we're going to get ourselves into a corner and say that Torah is what we should be doing. But we're not going to talk about that because those are givens. So let's just pretend like those don't exist and talk about Shaul because he's the only one apparently that is a writer and the Bible that tells you otherwise somehow 
he can be the only one that's not like the others and that's totally fine because the whole Bible is consistent but except for this one guy that's really how crazy it is by the way I'm pulling out of this example now because it's too weird for me so where are we at Philippians 3 some of our righteousness through faith in Mashiach so let's learn what that means he says starting in verse 2 let's start in verse 1 might as well right okay finally my brothers rejoice in Adonai to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you he doesn't care about repeating you know because everything that Shaul said is a repetition of what the Chazal say of what the rabbis say of what Jews say because he himself is a Jew and all Jews do is repeat stuff that's why every one of the Avengers all of us as Har Shalom we source stuff out nothing that we're sharing is really new none of this information I'm sharing on this podcast is new you know it's it's all been stated and said before so I'm just repeating so I guess I should just call this the met uh, repeating what Judaism says get you some I don't know anyway so that's that's how he starts off this chapter then he says verse 2 look out for the dogs look out for the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh now he just said dogs evildoers and mutilators of the flesh okay he's tying those people all together because dogs is a euphemism in Judaism for goyim which is the nations which is the non-jews which is pagans okay now realize that all the nations and the non-jews aren't necessarily pagans because there are some people who are doing things currently that they have no idea about and we cannot be upset about that you know because had i known that um Schmeister and the bunny celebrating and the uh, the, the pine tree bending down to it and taking presents from under it and all that kind of mistletoe stuff. Had I known how horrible that was, I, I would have had a serious come to Yeshua meeting with myself and him and the, and the Ruach, but I wouldn't have had any uh, guidance because I didn't know anything about Judaism and what true Judaism was and what pure Torah is, but I would have had a real step back from the situation and be like, okay, so I'm going to serve a Shem, but yeah, I'm going to worship demons. It's just like, uh, that's just, that doesn't kind of, that doesn't go, you know? And that's a hard thing, you know? You're like going 100 miles an hour and it's like, brick wall! I, I didn't even have time to put on brakes. Uh, I was wearing a seatbelt. However, I was traveling 100 miles an hour and I had a brick wall. Like, what do you expect? Do you expect me to really be like, Oh, man, my bad. I'm sorry. Uh, let's just go ahead and observe the festivals now. Uh, where are we at? Next festival? Okay. So I was preparing for Xmas, but Hanukkah? Okay. And I guess Purim and Pesach? And okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's recalibrate. No problem. No problem. My whole family and I, we just grew up celebrating this other thing over here. And we're just going to jump tracks real quick after a, a traumatic major car accident. And... Uh, yeah, we're totally fine. Great. Baruch Hashem. Praise Hashem. Okay, no. That, okay, as I kept going with that example and that uh, verboseness, uh, it got more and more ridiculous. So, to all the nations out there 
to those who are currently walking in non-Torah observance, who are non-Jewish. Okay, and by the way, let me go ahead and just tell you that if you're a person who says, I don't know about that Jewish stuff, Jew in Hebrew means Yehudi, which means to radically cast praise to Hashem. That's what Jewish means. Jewish literally for all just the simplest way to put it means a God praiser, like a radical uplifted enthusiastic God praiser. So if you say you're not with that Jewish stuff, you're saying by literal definition of where Jew comes from, you're saying that I'm not with that praising God stuff. So with that being the case, who are you really praising if you're saying that you don't want to praise Hashem? Because, you know, you can put the uh, example of who Hashem is on any kind of thing, but if it's not truly Hashem, then that's using His name in vain. That's also desecrating His name. You know, you don't put a mezuzah on a strip club. I mean, yeah, okay, that's weird, right? Should be weird. If it's not weird, you I don't know what to say to that. That's just... Okay, anyway, so dogs, which are the nations, idolaters, and then it says evildoers, these are workers of lawlessness, a.k.a. people destitute of Torah, mutilators of the flesh. There are, there was anyway a sect, I don't know if there exists today, but uh, stay sharp, look out for them, um, because these people are like, they walk around with circumc circumcision knives in their pocket. Like, just ready to tell you to drop your trousers so we can do our job. Now, if you come from a true, <laughs> like, first of all, come from a, a sense, come from a place of common sense, you don't do that. Like, what kind of person do you have to be to say, my job today is to circumcise at least 50 people? And I don't care what their thoughts are. I don't care what their background is. I don't care if they really want to follow Torah. I don't care if they really believe in Messiah. I don't care if they even know what kosher is. I'm just going to circumcise them. And I'm going to force them. And I'm going to make them feel like they're going to go to hell if they're going to get, yeah, hell. Because Jews believe in that. Uh, anyway, so I'm going, to force, I'm going to force them to, like, get their skin, like, sawed off. You know, and and um, what what is that? Okay, that's what Shaul is talking about. There are people who are mutilators. These are the ones that he says, "I wish that they would circumcise themselves and let the knife slip." Okay, he really goes there in Galatians. So, who's graphic now? It's not me. It's Shaul. But anyway. We have to be a little bit uh, emphatic because, you know, we're really getting to a day and age where things that just don't make no sense are just like the popular uh, perspective. And it's just like, yeah, three genders is completely legitimate because we have all these cases. I mean, look at this. We have five people who don't even know what their gender is. And it's like, oh, my gosh, turn the whole world upside down because five people don't know what their gender is. So now you got people going, well, there's five. I mean, 
So what if I have these thoughts? I can just go ahead and now we're up to six and now we're up to 15. Now we're up to a whole state, you know, and it just kind of spreads like wildfire. It's just like, but this wasn't a case until these couple of people who needed serious counseling and help and guidance, but no one wanted to help them for apparently, you know, it's just like now we got all these troubles on our hands. So anyway, you have to be such a really weird and deranged person to be a mutilator of the flesh like that. Okay, circumcision is part of conversion, okay? And it's not something that makes or breaks your conversion. When it comes to the fact of you can get circumcised before you convert, or you can get converted with the agreement to get circumcised as soon as possible. Because if, 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 the, if either of those conditions are not the case, which they are, then you got to go back to Abraham, who is the first Jew who did convert, who got circumcised when he was like a hundred. He came to faith in Hashem like way before that. So if he's considered a Jew before he got circumcised, then you have to really kind of look at the conditions. Like how is he considered Jewish and he wasn't circumcised? Well, now you're in Romans talking about he became righteous through his belief in Hashem and through following Hashem so that he could be considered the father of those who are uncircumcised and those who are circumcised who believe in Hashem, you know, and then later when he gets circumcised, obviously that takes care of that. But, you know, we shouldn't really be trying to uh, manipulate the situation. So verse three, this is Philippians elucidated, I guess. All right. Uh, verse 3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Mashiach Yeshua and put no confidence in the flesh. Okay, that's an interesting twist. So he says, Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. Okay, so he says there are people who have taken circumcision way too far, but we're not those people. We're the people who worship God by his Ruach, which is the Torah. And then not only that, we glory, we take our weight of our praise through Mashiach, like in him. We put no confidence in our flesh. It's not anything that we can do to obtain salvation apart from Hashem himself, namely through his Torah, through his son, through his spirit, through the mitzvot, you know, like if we think that anything that we do can, um, you know, be something to bring to God, like God, I know you have an account that uh, you want to go over with me, but I just want to let you know, I got circumcised, okay? So like if you're going to approach Hashem with that attitude, you put your confidence in the flesh, okay? Because I don't know about you, but coming before Hashem, not fearing and not trembling and boasting about something you did to your body. I don't think that's a good place to be. Now, you do want to be circumcised, but you don't want to put your your whole hope and boast in just that one thing. Like, that would not be smart. It's the definition. That's the opposite of smart. Okay, verse 4. Got running out of time here. I'm going to have to do a part 2. Okay, Baruch Hashem. says, Though I myself have no, have reason for confidence. Here we go. This is it right here. 
I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Okay, he says, I, I can really put reason, you know, but really the end of it is just that even though you could put confidence in it, it's still nothing because anything that you do apart from Hashem, apart from Mashiach, apart from his Torah, apart from his spirit, anything you do is nothing. You have to have Hashem Echad. You have to have all of who Hashem is. Okay? So let's run down the list of what can make you put confidence in your flesh. And we got to this because we were talking about anything we desire. Talking about Mishle 3.15 saying that uh, anything you desire is not equal to the wisdom. It's not equal to Torah. It's not equal to Yeshua. So anything you do, that's the backdrop. That's how we got here says, though I myself have no reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone, okay, though I myself have reason, Slika, I have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's like, hold up, don't even, don't even try to get crunk with me. I will shut you down like he's about to do. Here we go. Ready? And go. Circumcised on the eighth day. Check. Other people of Israel, check. Tribe of Benjamin, check. Why is that important? Mordecai was from Benjamin, check. Benjamin was called, or Mordecai was called a Jew, check. Megillah 13a, check, because Mordecai could be called a Jew since he repudiated idolatry. He refused to bow to Haman. He refused to partake of idolatry. So that made him a Jew. So even if he was from the tribe of Benjamin, he's considered a Jew. Benjamin, the patriarch, of that tribe is the only one who did not sell Yosef into slavery. Furthermore, Benjamin had 10 children who he named all about the story of his brother who he never got to meet. So Benjamin's lineage is like this whole like exalted, not exalted, but like a, uh, a pure yearning for like true echadness with Yosef, you know, because Yosef and Benjamin are brothers. So anyway, Benjamin, that whole lineage and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, they did kind of get crazy during the uh, times of the judges, and they uh, actually almost got wiped out as a tribe, and they had to be reconciled back into being intermarried with other tribes, and that's what Tu Ba'av is, that's after Tisha Ba'av, so anyway, Benjamin, that's a little backstory on that, check, okay. Now, Shaul says, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, okay? I am a get you some of get you sums. Like, don't even play with me. I got this down, okay? So check. Then he says, and as to the law, I am a Pharisee. Yeah, he says he's a Pharisee. So anyway, check. As to zeal. A persecutor of the congregation. In other words, scrutinizing, killing, and all this kind of stuff. Like, he did that because he was so zealous for the, uh, the Torah, for all the laws and everything, and all the observances. However, it was a just a little bit. Let's just say just a little bit, even though we know a lot of it. Because anytime you're willing to kill someone because they don't observe Torah, you've by default taken yourself out of being zealous for Torah. Just saying. Okay. But anyway, check. 
He says, as to righteousness under the Torah, I am blameless. I kept all the mitzvot. You ain't even know. I'm a man, and I even kept the women's mitzvot. That's how bad I am, or good I am, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, check. Then he says, verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Mashiach. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of da'at, of the knowledge, of the knowing, of Mashiach Adonai. Okay, he calls Mashiach Adonai. So, if we're calling Yeshua Adonai, so when we're saying Baruch Atah Adonai, are we talking to Hashem or are we talking to Mashiach? Because hmm. apparently Mashiach talks to himself, Hashem talks to himself, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, for his sake have I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Mashiach and be found in him, having not a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith and Mashiach, the righteousness from God that depends on Emunah. You can get your righteousness from the law, and that's great. But if that's all you have, you're missing something, okay? Because, again, I go to Rabbi Griffin's uh, statement that he continues to repeat, the Torah that we have outside of Messiah is a lesser covenant. Okay, that's the stone tablets. What you need is the sapphire tablets. And that's the thing. The stone tablets are meant to take us to the sapphire tablets. That's the schoolmaster that leads us and guides us to Mashiach when he comes. So anyway, you got to have the righteousness that comes from the law. But more than that, you need to have the righteousness that comes from God, which is faith, which is your doing, which is your love, which is your awe of him. So... We'll be back with part two of Parsha Shalak. Get you some. So, Shalom, and I'll be back after this. All right, Shalom. This is Shomer Man back for part two of Parsha Shalak GYS. Um, by the way, quick announcement I'm hoping to have the mighty Haver, the Shomer version of Thor. Okay, if Thor was Jewish, he'd be the mighty Haver. And we got one of those as a Avenger. So I'm looking forward to lighting it up with him this week. Lightening it up, I guess I should say. Yes, lighting it up and hammering uh, on some insights for this week's tour portion. There we go. Nice little Mighty Hover puns. Okay, anyway, so I was in the middle of trying to get him to Parsha Shalak, but sidetracked like you would not believe by all these crazy sources and commentary and insights. So, praise to Hashem for His goodness. And Philippians 3 is what I just got through elucidating. I didn't get to share this last verse, though. 3.10 is, like, ridiculous. And verse 11, obviously. Oh, and you know what? I'm just going to keep reading. All right, here we go. More elucidation on Philippians 3. So, we finished talking about the righteousness that comes from God that depends on Emunah, which is our faith in Mashiach. This is why we believe in Mashiach, because we need a righteousness for our righteousness, okay? We need a shekel for our half shekel, because anything that we do 
is nothing compared to what Mashiach has done and will do and will complete in us. So there's that. All right. So we are on verse 10. And here we go. Continuing. Verse 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, at Shul, I shared this on Shabbat that the resurrection of Mashiach is what gives us the right and the ability to talk about his death and to cause the act of his death to be at work in us because you don't want to just proclaim Mashiach died because Breslev is doing that. Rebbe Nach, or the, uh, the, that's the Nachman people. Uh, the Chabad, they're doing that. You know, the people who believed in uh, Shabtai Zavi, well, they were doing that until he converted to Islam. And then, you know, just other different sects who believe in different Mashiachim from the past, they're proclaiming his death. And it's just like, but but Mashiach Yeshua has been resurrected, so... So he's not he's not dead and he's currently alive and he's been alive for a long time even before he died even before he was born he was alive so yeah you know that's kind of like uh you got to kind of rethink about this right you know so we can talk about his death because he's alive you know he's resurrected furthermore what i went into is saying the resurrection is important because that empowers us to live the life that he died for. Now, I didn't quite put it that elegantly as I did now, but um, the power of his resurrection is what gives us the ability to do all things through Mashiach, who strengthens us. Shaul also wrote that, I know. But this is why he's talking about it, because the power of the resurrection says that the waywardness, the rebellion, the life that I used to live, the idolatry I used to be stuck in, all the paper cuts that I had that I was somehow living by, I now don't have any of those things ailing me to the place of physical disability. I can begin to get up out of the bed now and walk around, okay? I just need a little food. Kind of like when Mashiach killed the little girl and he said, okay wake up and she wakes up and he's like can someone please bring her some food you know and she's kind of like that's what that's what our resurrection is like we wake up and we're kind of weak and we need some food which would be Torah Torah is called food anyway um, so that's all going on the power of his resurrection we have got to know that we've got to throw everything away that we think is valuable to us and get this you know so after this is going on, um, verse 10, the second part of it says, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now that probably didn't sell a lot of people because it's just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm experiencing his new life and his power. And it's like suffering, Skirt. what? Suffering, what do you mean suffering? It's like, well, cause if you suffer, you are done with sinning. How do I know that? First Peter 4. Like first K for 4. He talks about that. Uh, I guess I should just. Let me go ahead and mention that verse. 
Because I you remember, I, I just repeat everything. I don't really make anything new up. There's nothing new under the sun anyway, so I'm not upset. Okay, I'm impressed. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> first K for four. Therefore, since Revi Melech Hamashiach underwent bodily Yishirim sufferings, also you yourselves arm yourselves with the same way of thinking as Mashiach, because the one having suffered in the flesh has finished with Chet. You finish with sin. Now, I love this because I'm literally, I have these two passages side by side in 1st Kepa 4 verse 1 completely lines up with Philippians 3 verse 10. So I'm like, Kepha and Shaul are like Echad right now. And I'm just like, man, if we could just see more of this, more people with more eyes open, with more hearts and minds that know Mashiach, would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and more people that do this, oh my goodness, this would be like so healing. Because so many times Kepha and Shaul are treated as if they're Yaakov and Asav, like, they hate each other or something and it's just like they don't hate each other they really serve the same god and they're not even on a on the same plane as Yaakov and Esau when it comes to the rivalry like they don't have a rivalry Yaakov and Esau have a rivalry like they're the the rivalry of rivalries you know like arch nemesis type stuff but anyway one day Esau will be reconciled to Yaakov and that'd be great because Yaakov doesn't hate Asaph. He's just like, brother, I don't know what you're doing over there, but if you shave a little bit and kind of get a trim and an edge up, I mean, you, you'd be pretty cool, you know, and stop killing everything. Anyway, uh, that's just the elucidation to the elucidations here. All right, so back to verse 10 in Philippians 3. So, becoming like him, this is what's happening in the wilderness with Hashem. We are suffering to be purged of our sins. Now, the suffering, though, is not like this, um, you know, agonizing, excruciating suffering. It's more of a suffering of like, I'm so sad for you. You cannot eat from drive throughs Man. I'm just, I don't know what you're going to do with yourself because when it's time for uh, catered lunch at work, you know, we're all going to be like gorging on this feast of like roast and uh, pork chops and like all sorts of uh, what chicken express or taco casa, whatever that is, uh, chipotle, like fancy chicken cheese burrito something something I don't know whatever kind of like massive spread that everybody else can eat you're just like I got a banana I got a yogurt I got some kosher ramen noodles I got a bowl of cereal I got some bagels or I got some trail mix or you know whatever is completely like insignificant to what's being presented and all this big free lunch stuff you know and it's just kind of like or if you have fish sticks or home-cooked meals, come on. Um, or if you're eating tuna sandwiches and everybody's like, man, I'm about to give me a triple 
cheeseburger and uh, a drink that is the size of a two-gallon water cooler. Like, what is that? You know, it's just like, okay, that's the kind of suffering I'm talking about. And again, that is not suffering. That is feeling like an outcast, <laughs> which probably seems like suffering because we all want to be accepted. Oh, so this is what's going on in the wilderness. They're like, Hashem, were there not enough, or no, Slika. The people, ne we never complained in the wilderness to Hashem. We complained to Moshe, which is interesting. Because if we're complaining to Hashem about Hashem, but yet we're saying it to Moshe, what does that mean? You know, just like in OG Ankalos, when it was saying Hashem was speaking with him from between the cherubim, from the Mishkan, like it was like, wait, with him, to him? Like, is it saying speaking with Moshe to him or like? Speaking Hashem to himself, to Moshe. Again, I brought this down in Parsha Behalotka. Uh, or, yeah, I brought that down in the the Haftar at some point. Or, not the Haftar, the Torah portion commentary. Because uh, Ankelos was confused. It's like, is it to Moshe or is it to Hashem? Is Hashem speaking with himself? Like, that's what it seems to say. But anyway, I digress. So, ladies... If you are a person who used to get your hair did all the time and looked forward to stepping out with strapless dress and flip-flops or high heels or whatever and being all like, woohoo, I'm awesome, I look so nice. And now you're Zanute, you're covered up and you got a head covering on and you're wearing closed toe shoes and it's 150 degrees outside. That's suffering. That's the kind of suffering we're talking about here. And again, it's not really suffering. Because what kind of suffering did Shaul really go through? What kind of suffering did Mashiach really go through? This is probably why Kepha says you haven't suffered to the point of bloodshed. So just take it down a notch. Okay? Be cool with the level you're at. Okay? Because the children of Israel, they weren't really suffering out in the wilderness. I mean, they had bread and water and clothes that did not wear out. I don't know about you, but I miss my clothing that got holes in it, that tore. You know, I had so many different pairs of pants that I used to love dancing in, and they all ripped. And because I was like, man, I love these pants so much, I wish I could sew them back and put them together. But if those clothes that I mourn over losing, if they never wore out, man, I'd be so much more happier. And so here we are in the wilderness and talking about, yeah, we're suffering. And it's just like, no, you're not. You're fine. Like, let's re redirect our heart for a second, you know. So anyway, uh, that's going on. Uh, parties. You get invited by your coworkers, by friends, by family. Man, we're having a family get together and we're having... Uh, what do they call oh, ham? We're having ham. You want a ham sandwich? You want some pizza? Uh, you want some fried chicken? And you're like, but chicken's kosher. But chicken ain't kosher if it's not kosherly slaughtered. And if it's been cooked with other ingredients in it, or if it's served in a dairy coating, i.e. fried skin, 
that's not parmed. It's like you can do the uh, coating on the chicken sometimes and it's like it can have like dairy elements in it and you want to make sure you don't have that going on. So the only way to ensure that happens is to go to the kosher butcher and get you some kosher fried chicken, kosher certified chicken that you don't have to worry about. And by the way, kosher chicken is like gargantuan. Okay, you can get a leg that's like the size of like your face. And you're just like, what kind of chickens did y'all have? And it's just like the best kind. But anyway, um, I'm kind of getting off track. Talking about suffering though. We are not suffering. We just are battling with our inner man, our inner struggles and the things that we used to enjoy. So with doing that, that's partaking that's how we can partake in the sufferings, you know, and that really should be humbling to us because it's like, yeah, we're going to suffer with Messiah. And it's like, but he got holes in his wrist, but he got holes in his feet. He got pierced in the side with a spear. He got whipped with 40 lashes minus one by a Roman executor with a whip that's called a cat of nine tails, which had like all sorts of debris and un just sterile things in it that literally if it pierces your skin skin disease alone and all the stuff that'll go into all of your systems and all the poisons that that would create i mean it's absolutely ridiculous this is all after having no sleep the previous night and going through six inappropriate trials because you don't have trials and courts uh dates set at night by the sanhedrin but the Sanhedrin was mostly Roman people anyway because these positions were bought out. And so that suffering, or Shaul being beaten within a half inch of his life and thrown outside of a city, he literally got stoned. Like the way that the people wanted to stone Moshe and Yehoshua in Parashat Shalat. You know, like that suffering. And we're over here like, oh man, I don't get to eat, you know, free catered lunch that's not kosher or people are making fun of me because this thing on my head or uh, I got to wear closed toed shoes or you know I you know I don't get to go out on Friday nights or you know whatever the case may be that is the grace of Hashem that that's the level of our suffering now that's really cleaning our clock yes I totally agree I'm totally on the same page there are things that I'm going through right now that I'm like, oh, this is really bothering me. This is really upsetting to me. And it's just like, but you know what? Just work through it. I'm like, you got to force yourself sometimes. Sometimes you got to speak to yourself, like really have a conversation with yourself and be like, self, this is okay. Self, we can do this. Self, we will do this. Self, we love Yeshua HaMashiach. Mashiach, 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 oh, oh. You know, like we're like, we got to hype ourselves up with a Nagoon. Like, we need a rap Nagoon, like, straight, hardcore gangster with it. You know, we got to get down into ourselves and be like, look, pull up, okay? Come on, we got this. We're not, like, oh, uh, we haven't suffered to the point of bloodshed. Like, come on. All right. Back to Philippians 3.10. And it says... Wow, I mean, I don't know, y'all. I just can't help but just really go there. I mean, we're in the mix of this of these Torah portions, and we're going into the 
the three weeks of mourning, you know, where the golden calf happened, the tablets were shattered, the people who uh, caused the the uh, bad reports of the land to happen, you know, which is in Parashah Shalak, the people with the bad reports say, we can't take the land, and the whole children of Israel are like, no, we can't do it. And then Hashem's like, well, then you're going to have 40 years, and they're like, no, we will do it. And it's just like, wait, but you just said you you didn't think you can take the land, so why do you think you can take the land now And I told you you're going to have to stay in the wilderness? And it's just like, so you don't want to be in the wilderness, but then I tell you, you can go to the land, I'm going to lead you. And you say, no, you're not going to lead us, there's giants. And like, okay, so Hashem can't destroy giants? Like, we even said you were going to have to fight the giants. Like, who knows when you would have got into the land, the giants would have been serving you. We just read the commentary, or I didn't get to share it with y'all, but commentary last week said Moshe, if he entered the promised land, the clouds of glory would have followed them into the promised land, subjected all the nations to the children of Israel, and the temple would have been rebuilt and would have never been destroyed. That would have been the equivalent of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then partaking of the tree of life. Meaning that the children of Israel would have been stuck in rejection of Hashem and not fully regenerated spiritually by the spirit of Messiah, which came through the sapphire tablets because that came from the throne of Hashem. So we're talking about something that came from the throne down into creation, was clothed in righteousness, okay, and given to us, and we rejected it. So had Moshe went into the land, we would have been in that current state. And Hashem would have had to destroy and annihilate the people he said he would never destroy. And the temple would have stayed standing. So it was, again, Hashem's grace that Moshe didn't go into the land because when the temple got built with Moshe not being in the land, that temple can get destroyed because it would have been a temple built by human hands. And no, like, supernaturalness to it as far as the level that it would have been built if Moshe built the temple, you know? And so through Hashem's grace, he destroyed his temple instead of destroying his people, i.e. he crucified the Messiah instead of crucifying every one of the children of Israel. Most of us wouldn't even make it past the Garden of Gethsemane because some, some of us would just die when Judas just kissed us. We'd be like, he just kissed me, uh, you know, and we'd be like, we would have been out. We would have just been dead right there. Some of us would have not even made it through the trials because we would have spoke up for ourselves. We wouldn't have been silent as a lamb led to slaughter. We would have just like completely went ballistic on that. Then, much less getting whipped. Like, we would have tried all of our best. We probably would have just got straight shot, like bow and arrow to the face because we wouldn't have endured the whipping. We would have tried to fight to not get whipped, you know, and much less get crucified. We would have threw that little... Uh, Crossbeam down, you know, in an instant. You know, we wouldn't have took up the stake and walked and get punched and spit on. We would have been fighting back, doing your mama jokes. You know, like, what is this? You know, like, who do we think we are? Like, Mashiach is, like, completely incredible for us. So, anyway, I don't know how I got onto that. Just, let's just go through these sufferings and be thankful that we don't have to suffer at the level that others have suffered and let's take our suffering and make the most of it you know and become like Mashiach so verse 11 
that by means by any means possible we may attain the resurrection from the dead okay so this is how we get resurrected to glory instead of resurrected to judgment as it says in Daniel 12 Daniel talks about resurrection he talks about the ancient of days and all that kind of stuff and so you know verse 12 I, I always quote this section you know uh, for just clarity because anytime we're uh, striving to fulfill the mitzvot of Hashem and live a Jewish lifestyle that's literally the definition the culmination of pressing and straining towards a high mark you know there is no high mark in church you know because the highest mark that is taught on Sunday morning services because I used to be there and I used to go through that maybe it's changed now hopefully but uh, as far as what I've heard and what I remember the highest mark is things that even people who are completely faithless and uh, atheist I mean these people do those kinds of things what kind of things are you talking about Matt? what are you saying right now why are you being so mean to church people what they do to you they didn't do anything to me I just want to encourage the church people to become shul people anyway um, so loving your neighbor as you love yourself okay anybody that doesn't believe in God can do that you know you can be nice to the person who walks down the street or is across the hall from you you can be like hey how you doing what's going on I love it you know have like this loving attitude you know or go feed the homeless anybody can feed the homeless but will anybody empower the homeless give them an opportunity to step up which by the way there is a church that has done that and there are churches who are doing that and guess what I'm gonna shout you out right now that I appreciate you and I know Hashem appreciates that because that's the definition of he lifts the poor from the dust McKimmy McKimmy may our dog okay like that's the definition of that that's a tehillim by the way he lifts up the poor from the dust so you know transitioning people out of being homeless and not having a way of making a provision of living for themselves you know that's great but really anybody can do that too you just got to have a plan and go execute it what else oh i don't know food drives um charity events uh, you know, doing something for uh, orphans who have, you know, no no place to go for different holiday events. And it's just like, yeah, we can do all that. Uh, you want to give out candy. You want to have, you know, little contests and games, carnivals. Okay, anybody can do that. But not just anyone can transform the world to be worshipers of the one true holy God without straining and pressing towards the high mark which is what we're about to read which happens through the Torah because you know you're not gonna celebrate the hallmark in commercial holidays you're gonna celebrate Hashem's holy days that's what holidays really is supposed to be holy days you know holy days are not Xmas. Holy days are not Schmister. Holy days are not Valentine's. Holy days are not 
whatever happens on October the 31st that involves dressing up like a demon and going to take candy from strangers. I thought taking candy from strangers was not a good idea, but for some reason on this day, that's totally fine because that's promoting peace or something. I don't know. A piece of candy, that's what it's promoting. But anyway, um, you know, that's this is a different level right here. You know, uh, people people notice this difference. And you don't have to say anything. And that's where the whole thing about preach the gospel with words or no, preach the gospel. And when you have to use words, that's what Torah observance is, because people are going to see what you do. They're not going to see what you say. You know, you can talk all you want, but what are you doing? You know. So um, just to encourage. All right. So verse 12 in Philippians three. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Okay, so he said, you know, all this stuff about my observance and everything, it's all nothing without Mashiach and the righteousness that comes from God, uh, the power of his resurrection that I'm knowing, suffering, and then I want to attain the resurrection from the dead. So, like, he's like, boom, that's it. But let me just tell you, I have not already perfected myself in this i have not already obtained this and this is another super important thing to know about our salvation to know about our mitzvah keeping to know about our conversion to know about being jewish you're not going to obtain it all outside of the resurrection when you are resurrected you're going to like begin to be completed and you still have a long way to go. This is why we're going to be learning Torah from the angel of Hashem, a.k.a. Mashiach Yeshua, a.k.a. Memtet, from the yeshiva in Hashemayim. Like, we're still going to be learning Torah, even in our resurrected form, which means that's intense, what the Torah really is, because if you have to be in a resurrected form to continue learning directly from the mouth of Hashem, it's like, wait, Emet, didn't you just say Mashiach is going to teach? And I was like, yeah, so Mashiach, Mimtet, Angel of Hashem. Yeah, so the mouth of Hashem is going to teach us Torah in the Olam Haba. The answer is yes. It's all, because Hashem is one, remember? Okay, anyway. Until that point in time, you're not going to obtain it. But you press and strain, like he says in this verse. But I press on to make it my own, because Mashiach Yeshua has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Oh, really? Forgetting what lies behind. Egypt don't exist to Shaul, and with the help of Hashem, may it not exist to us. Okay? It says, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call in God in Mashiach Yeshua. That's how you get in God. That's how you get in Hashem, is through getting in Mashiach Yeshua. When you get in Him, you get in Hashem. When you get in the way, the truth, and the life, you get in the Torah. Okay? Like, it's all connected. So, that's the thing. All of everything that we're doing happens in stages. You know, I'm going to share a personal testimony. I was talking to a co-worker of mine last week, and he was telling me about this place called Bottle Cap Alley. And I was like, oh, yeah, Bottle Cap Alley, I remember that place. That's, that's good food right there. Like, they can throw down. And he's just like, 
what do you mean you know about that place and that's good food? Like, you, you're not supposed to be eating there. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not supposed to be eating there. I don't eat there. I used to. And he's like, wait a minute, what do you mean you used to? Answer me this. And I'm like, okay. He's like, if you ordered, because I was telling him, yeah, I, got, I used to get like the black bean burger or, you know, they used to have this like grilled tilapia thing. And he's just like, okay. So they cook their food in the same grease that they cook the other food items. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, bro, that's not kosher. And I'm like, in my heart at the time, I'm embarrassed because I, I've just put myself out there and I've just slandered Judaism because here I am as a Jew used to eat at Bottle Cap Alley. And it's like, but I didn't eat unkosher food there. But yeah, you ate contaminated food, which made it unkosher, you know, and it's just like, all this kind of stuff is going on in my heart, but then I'm like, you know what, but Baruch Hashem, I don't eat there anymore, and I will not be eating there, you know, like, I'm not upset, because that's something in the past, that's something that truly lies behind me, you know, and it's just kind of like, but right now is a critical moment, because here we are with a non-Jew, who says he knows of God, but doesn't really, like, I don't know where he at, I don't know where he is with Hashem, but you know, whatever, he, wherever he is, he's got, he's got a close encounter with Hashem right now because he's getting into laws of Kashrut without even like, in, like actively trying to do that. But just because we're having this conversation, he's now learning Kashrut and now he's seeing uh, a person who is observant who used to eat at a place that's not kosher and he now knows why that place is not kosher because it's food that's contaminated cross-contaminated and he's breaking that down he's just like when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of kashrut what's the food that you're eating being prepared in and what what's the kitchen like and might I add this guy knows a little something about kitchens you know and so I'm like wow you know, so in the moment, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, that's not that's not kosher. You know, I used to eat there. I, I don't eat there now. So, like, that's not a thing, you know. And that's that was the end of the conversation. So, you know, I'm at work, and I'm just kind of going around. I'm like, wow, what just happened? Like, oh, my gosh, Teshuvah, wow, embarrassment passed. Whoa, wow, came and got me. And then I went back, and I was like, you know what? I went and talked to him. I said, man, you know what? I am grateful that you brought that up that is a really good catch you know that's awesome and he's like I know you probably think I'm a really big jerk right now and I probably ruined your life and all this kind of stuff and I'm like dude no like okay first of all I said I used to eat there insinuating I don't currently okay and I won't be I don't do that so you didn't ruin anything second of all I'm telling you that I'm glad that you caught that. I'm glad that we had this conversation because this is incredible. This is powerful. Like, I didn't say this to him, but it's like, you don't know how much Torah you just elucidated right now. You know, most people that don't know anything about anything when it comes to kosher, 
they're like something with pork like apparently you don't eat that and it's like yeah but we also don't mix meat and dairy and we also uh, don't eat shrimp and we also don't eat catfish and we also don't eat you know uh, horse you know we don't eat Canadian bacon which people don't think is pork but it is and it's like um, all that kind of stuff we don't mix meat and dairy we eat food that has hexure there's uh you know we can eat meat but it has to be kosherly slaughtered like you start getting into those levels but down to the cross-contamination level though that's a deep level of kashrut that's a deep level of kashrut and when you enter into tour observance and you're still trying to work on not eating unkosher food you got to take your time and make it through this thing because when you start observing kosher it's not just something you just need to cold turkey go to the highest level because you will hurt yourself i promise you know that believe that and trust that take your time with observance you need to do this thing by levels just like it says in philippians 3:12. not that i've already obtained this or am already perfect but i press on to make it my own you gotta own this your Amuna and, and Mashiach Yeshua, your observance in Torah has to be your own. It has to be your relationship. That's why there are 12 tribes, because each tribe has their way of serving Hashem. And within those 12 tribes, you fit. We fit. I fit into one of those 12 tribes. I chose tribe Dan. Come on, get you some. But anyway, um, we fit into one of those 12 pathways of serving Hashem. You probably think I'm talking crazy, but let me give you a source before you, like, unsource me or something. Uh, the Jewish wisdom of the numbers. The number 12. The number 12 corresponds to the 12 tribes of Israel. It offers distinct yet equally authentic pathways in the service of Hashem. 12 pathways to Hashem. We've already talked about this when I was talking about the 12 sons. I don't remember what Torah portion that is, but I'm going to say this again. Every one of 12 or every one of Yaakov's 12 sons merited to be included in the composition of the Jewish nation, parallel to the 12 permutation of Hashem's four-letter name. Each tribe chartered its unique distinctive pathway. Each was an equally legitimate avenue in terms of avodat Hashem, which is divine service. This is what Romans 12.1 talks about, by the way, when it says that we present ourselves as living sacrifices and spiritual service. Spiritual service is avodat Hashem, which means divine service. Spiritual service is divine service, and it's one of 12 ways to be done because it corresponds to the 12 tribes. Now, Yaakov's blessing of each son before his passing indicated each tribe would be in Yaakov's blessing of each son before his passing indicated each tribe would be in possession of like literally it it's my own. Like there's your connection to Philippians. It says that each tribe would be in possession of a key role in individual pathway of holiness. Each tribe has their own individualistic pathway of holiness to connect to godly service it actually gives a footnote on that let's see what that footnote is Sefat Emet Hanukkah 5642 then it says 
Ma Shatiknu and Vayaki 5643. So Safat Emet. I gotta check out that source. Anyway, um, so with all that being said, in the inauguration of the Mishkan, each of the twelve princes. Okay, I covered this in Parsha Naso. So if you read the if you listen to the Parsha Naso GYS, uh, I talked about this in the wrap up, okay? I was going over all my notes because Naso has over nine hours of information in it. But anyway, just not so much to talk about. Alright, so anyway, it says each of the 12 princes brought his specific donation on 12 successive days. There was no interruption because that's how monumental this is. Then it says, though their offerings were identical, their repetition in the Torah attests to their precious nature, worthy of inclusion within Scripture. So here's the thing. There are 12 pathways to Hashem, but they all look the same. But they all have different intent behind them. That's the key. Because in your Torah observance, you will still eat kosher. You will still wear zizit if you're a man. You will still wear head coverings. You will still keep the Shabbat, but it will be your own way, which will happen to correspond to one of the 12 tribes. So that's how you know what tribe you're in, by the way. You'll correspond to one of these 12 pathways. So learn the tribes, learn the pathways. You can probably learn which tribe you're in. But then you got the whole caveat that Isaiah 56 says Hashem's going to take some from the nations and make them into Kohanim and Levites. So you may actually end up being in the 13th tribe. So who knows? But uh, if you're not getting you some, then you don't know anything. So come learn something. Grab something. Pick up something. Do something. Learn something. Get you something. Okay, anyway. Testimony of the uniqueness of each tribe was demonstrated by its unique banner and symbol. Just as every one of the 12 months has its significant noteworthy events, so do the 12 tribes exhibit their unique sets of characteristics. Okay, told you I wasn't crazy. I know everything I'm talking about is crazy. And my delivery is kind of crazy. But anyway. Make it your own. Press towards the high mark, and that's Torah observance. We got there because of Mishlei chapter 3, verse 15, talking about wisdom is more precious than pearls. All right. I don't know what's going to happen if I swerve again. <laughs> but I'm going to keep reading the commentary that I didn't get to for this verse. And it says, a person tries to acquire something because it is valuable or because he needs it, such as food. Yeah, that's exactly what they go to. Okay. A person should strive to acquire Torah. Oh, really? Strive? Are we talking about striving again? Philippians 3? Come on, man. A person should strive to acquire Torah for both reasons. It is more valuable than pearls and is more necessary than anything else. Oh, my gosh. I told my guys, the Teen Titans, this. So, hey, guys, no matter what you do in life, you got to make Torah observance your priority. Because when you make that your priority, that's, that's more important than anything else. And it's just like, they were like, yeah, okay, we know that. Why are you telling us this? Do you, do you not feel that way? I don't know. Anyway, smart guys.
just want to shout y'all out on that this is commentary here that y'all already apparently know and you may or may not have read it I don't know but anyway that's why y'all are teen titans get you some okay so anyway it says this is more necessary than anything else Torah is life there you go anyone who tells you not to follow Torah they're telling you to kill yourself I mean just logical deductive reasoning right here <laughs> Torah is life so if you don't do Torah that means you don't do life okay it says and what can be more vital than life that's from the Vilna Gaon crazy or the v Vilna Gaon get you some okay now it says the Talmud Shabbat 127a relates that a Persian king Arta Artavin that's his name Persian king Artavin once sent Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi a priceless jewel in return or in return okay so the prince of the king of Persia sleek I was gonna say the prince of Persia the king of Persia sent Yehuda Hanasi a priceless jewel so in return Rabbi sent him a mezuzah oh man come on I love that that's great Okay, it's like, here's a diamond ring, sir. It's like, all right, here's a mezuzah. Todah <laughs> shalom. It's like, wait, what? What? This is a mezuzah. Right. Okay, check this out. So, swerve. So, if you have a mezuzah on your door, you have, like, a priceless, like, valuable, precious stone. Oh, my gosh. You have the, the cornerstone on your door the pri the precious cornerstone that the builders rejected that's what you have on your door wow you have a precious stone on your door oh my goodness okay now it says artavin complained i sent you something priceless and you're sending me something worth but a coin because that's the that's the paradox about the mezuzah you buy the mezuzah and it has a certain price to it but the thing is is when you really calculate the cost oh really when you count the cost okay wow but really when you count the cost of a mezuzah it's beyond value <laughs> kind of like an HKU. far beyond pearls is her value far beyond rubies far beyond precious stones are her value so now your Aisha's Chayil your woman of valor, gentlemen, myself included, is like a mezuzah. Wow. She's on the door of our heart. Oh, and we kiss her. Oh, okay. Enough of that sappy stuff. All right, so here we go. And you're sending me something worth but a coin. That's what the king of Persia said. He says, Rabbi responded, your desirable things cannot compare to the Torah. And not only that, but you sent me an item that I must guard, whereas I sent you something that protects you. End of commentary. All right. So I was trying to get to Mishle 3.5 because we see that in this week's Torah portion of Schlock. And we also see it in last week's Torah portion with the craving for meat because the craving for meat showed that they had other things going on all right uh 
random here. Nope, not going to be random. I want to stick to the path. Okay. Starting in verse 5, you know, this is the whole trust of Shem in all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. He will smooth your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Hashem. Turn away from evil. Okay. 5, 6, and 7. Chapter 3 of Mishlei. That's what we just quoted. Okay, let's break that commentary down. Verse 5. The trusting and all that. All he weighs on him. It says, this refers to Torah study. You cannot fulfill Mishlei 3, 5 unless you study the Torah. Then it says, trust in Hashem. And spend as much necessary, spend as much as necessary to engage a teacher. Do not depend exclusively on your own understanding. Okay? Spend as much as necessary. This is in your Torah studies, in your trusting Hashem. Okay? Then it says, This trait was personified by Hillel, the elder. Okay? He was of the lineage of David, by the way, which means he was a great, 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 plus, plus, and plus of Mashiach Yeshua. And it says, who gave away half of his minimal daily wage to pay the entry fee to the study hall. Yoma 35b. Next thing it says, alternatively, do not assume I will certainly succeed since I acted intelligently, for everything is in Hashem's hands, not in your own intelligence. That's in the Mezuzot. Okay, so even if you're intelligent and doing your thing, don't don't think that that's going to get you anywhere. I don't need to remind you, well, I guess I'm going to, I guess, by saying I don't need to remind you, that means I'm going to remind you, that Aharon was like super tall and he climbed a step because Hashem said climb a step to kindle the menorah. When all logic and all rationality would say, why are you going to climb up so that you can lower yourself to light something? And it's just like, I don't understand the reasoning behind that, but there's something deeply spiritual to that, which means it's not your intelligence, okay? Everything is in Hashem's hands, not your own intelligence. So use your intelligence, but don't let that supersede Hashem's. Okay? Then it says, even if you trust in Hashem, do not rely on your own understanding as an additional crutch. Okay, never mind. I retract my statement. Wow. I should just read instead of try to comment on everything. Let's do that. Let's see how that goes. One who relies on his own prowess forfeits the divine assistance that he would normally receive. Ralbag. Verse 6, in all your ways know him, and he will smooth your paths. In all that you do, know that the purpose of whatever you do is to fulfill God's will, is to fulfill the Torah. Then he will direct your path and you will succeed. That's again, Mezudot. Man, I kind of like this not talking thing. I'm just going to let bombs go. Okay. According to Kapara, Bar Kapara, Barakot 63a, this verse encapsulates the main, encapsulates the main idea of Torah study. Know him in all your ways, even the seemingly mundane. 
When eating, one should recognize the divine wisdom in the creation of food and the digestive system. That's from the Ralbag. One should not live to eat, but rather eat to live and serve the Creator. Instead of sleeping because he is tired, a person should think that sleep will restore energy for the pursuit of Torah and mitzvot. Come on! A person who considers each of his actions to determine how it will contribute to the service of God will be serving him every minute. Rambam, Hilkot de Eots, and Bakya to, oh, Rabbeinu Bakya to Shemot 20, verse 9. Shout out to Rabbi Griffin. There's your Rabbi, Rabbeinu Bakya, Shemot 20, verse 9. Just as one can sanctify an animal by designating it for temple service, one can infuse his eating and drinking and all his mundane affairs with holiness by utilizing them to serve Hashem. So you want to make your life holy? Take your eating, your sleeping, and your drinking and use that to serve Hashem. That's what holiness is. All right. This explains the teaching, Barakot 54b, that one should serve Hashem with both the good and evil inclination. Okay, your Yetzirah is not bad. And this is kind of what I've been fighting with myself about because you, so you would think, if I can just get rid of my Yetzirah, this would be great. But guess what? Your Yetzirah has like this drive and this ability to it to empower you. It's likened to a, uh, a chariot. You know, like if you take yourself and sit in a chariot, you know, the horses or whatever you use to pull the chariot, you know, like it'll take you somewhere. But yet if you tried to pull your own chariot by yourself with your own power, it wouldn't, it'd be kind of exhausting. So it's like your Yetzirah was given to you because it's supposed to be used in service to Hashem. This is why there is the Midrash that exists that says that the serpent was supposed to serve Adam in the garden. But yet, it got, it ended up being the agent of destruction because it wasn't used for service. So the serpent, you know, slithered his way out of serving Hashem and caused his role to be one that divided us from Hashem. So... Think about how powerful that would have been to have the most wisest, crafty animal in the whole entire creation help you serve Hashem. I mean, wow, that's incredibly powerful. So anyway, um, that's kind of weird, I know. It's like, here's my sidekick, Snake Man, taking a bite out of crime. Okay, I don't know. Commentary again, over here it says, even the desire for physical pleasure can be used to serve Hashem. That's from the Mary. And uh, that would connect back to Orchard of Delights, which is where I started with this drosh. And because Hashem says, if you just use these paths of righteousness that I've given you with all your sexual drive, uh, I can make it something that you could never even imagine. You think that you just need to get something off your chest. You think that you're just kind of stirred up physically and you're like raging with hormones. And Hashem's like, do it over here. Like with a wife, uh, do it on Shabbat, on the uh, on Arab, you know, uh, when it's Nida, refrain from doing that and, you know, come back together. And if you do this, 
I promise you and I guarantee you, it's going to be like the most amazing, mind-blowing thing that you could ever possibly imagine. Okay? So yeah, that's right here. It says even those desires can be used to serve Hashem because when you do it that way, Hashem's going to make sure it works out. It's called laws of family purity. All right, anyway, um, it says not only will one be rewarded immeasurably for trust in Hashem, the trust will bring success, which is he will smooth your paths. Rabbi Yona drops that. And this is what we're saying in the Birkat, Tazon, uh, Birkat Tamazon when we say, Yeah. I was a youth and I was old and never have I seen the righteous forsaken begging for bread, that whole thing. Trust in Hashem, He will become your security, that whole thing. Like, that's the whole last bracha we sing. Well, normally some of us, and I guess more of us now, we're probably going to start rapping that. So that would be kind of cool. Mixing of singing and rapping and probably some dancing because we're so excited because Hashem fed us some food. Okay, anyway, and we get to serve Him. So that's awesome. Trusting in Hashem will bring you success. This is what He also told Yehoshua. Oh, which is Yehoshua is this week's Haftarah portion. So, Chasis, I'm looking forward to dropping some bombs with you on that. Okay, anyway, in summary, Rav Yonah derives four teachings from this verse. Four teachings from one verse, really. Okay. Yes, I could have seen that coming. Uh, in all of life's paths, trust, place your trust in God. Okay. In all of life's paths, place your trust in God. Number two, your goal should be to know, serve, and honor Him by doing everything Leshem Shemayim which is for the sake of heaven. Anything you do for Hashem, if it's other than for the sake of heaven, just stop and get some help. Okay? You don't need to be expecting anything. You don't need to be doing this because of somebody. You don't need to be pursuing somebody. You don't need to be trying to impress somebody. Trust me, believe me, and know me on this, that I'm not dropping these anchors, recordings, and uh, podcasts because I want y'all to think I'm cool. I'm dropping these because I look forward to the coming of Mashiach Yeshua and I want people that are ready for their king and I want to make sure that I'm ready for my king and when he and I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation I'm be like you know my life wasn't perfect and uh, I'm really scared right now but I just want to let you know uh, I was grateful for every opportunity I had in life to share your Torah with the nations and try to be a light and try to uh, share like complete non-MSU sources to people. So, um, yeah, that's why I do this. I want you to know the truth. And that's why my name, honestly, is called Truth. And while we're talking about that, I'm gonna go ahead and keep swerving because uh, Mighty Haver was doing the Kiddush Rabbah and he was saying the Bracha, and I'm reading the Hebrew, and I see the word Amet in the Hebrew of the Kiddush Rabbah for Shabbat. And I'm like, wait, what? The word emet is using the word for maidservant. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I like almost lost my mind and people were like, what's wrong with emet up there? Is he okay? I'm like, no, I'm just praying right now and just Hashem just punched me right in the face. And I'm like, that's cool. 
I am a maidservant of Hashem. The Torah is a maidservant of Hashem. We're all bond servants to Hashem, have, have, considering we take his yoke upon us. So anyway, I just thought that was cool. It was just more understanding of my name is not a met because I think I'm cool and I'm awesome and it sounds cool. I am a met because I truly want you to know Hashem. And I, I ain't playing around. Like, get you some is my motto for a reason. It's because it's for the sake of Hashemite. Like, we need more converts. We need more workers in the harvest. We need more Avengers. We need more superheroes that are willing to shine forth the light of Torah in dark places and bring clarity where people don't have it. It's too much. I'm tired of it. There's no excuse for that. All right. So before I get cut off, I'm going to end this podcast and pick up with lesson number three. All right. Be back after this.